It is a hot, sticky day here on the west coast of Florida. My name is Joel Tillis, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Soul Trap. It is always an honor to have you listen, always an honor to have you tune in. Make sure that you uh, touch base with us. We consider it an honor. You can reach us on Facebook. You can email us at Pastor Tillis at suncoastbaptistchurch.org. That's Pastor Tillis at suncoastbaptistchurch.org. Check us out on Facebook. Like us, share us. You can also reach the Soul Trap on iTunes. And we always just consider it an honor for you to be able to take the time to listen to us. And uh, we don't take that lightly. Today, there is no way around this. We are going down the rabbit hole. And uh, we're going to find out just how deep this rabbit hole goes. Now, my line of thought that prompted me to talk really along this line started with yet another strange occurrence regarding Hillary Clinton. If you were watching the news this past week, you were aware of her supposed illness. I'm sure it was an illness. Some said it was pneumonia. Some say it's leftovers from her concussion or some type of mini stroke. But her pneumonia-like symptoms were reported after the fact by her doctor. But uh, if you were watching the news, you saw the video, the pictures, the talk, the hubbub, how that she literally passed out and was whisked away by the nine uh, by her uh, secret service and the police while she was at the 9-11 celebrations that were taking place. The rumors later that day uh, came out that uh, somehow she had a doppelganger or a double because it wasn't just a couple hours later that they saw her come out and walk around. And of course, there is a million and one conspiracy theories floating around Hillary Clinton. And a lot of them were saying that there was some sort of double, that that was not actually her. And if you were to look online, quite frankly, some of the supposed proofs of her double were at least, I would say, mildly convincing, if not totally admissible into a court of law. They at least made you think and ponder just a little bit. And of course, when I say court of law, that's something that Hillary Clinton will probably never have to worry about uh, facing. A couple days ago, along the same lines of this Hillary Clinton theme, I received a a link to a video that I had seen before, another friend had shown it to me, of what appears to be Hillary Clinton having an almost like epileptic-like seizure. She's surrounded by reporters and somebody, I guess, sticks a microphone too close to her face and she reacts in just a very odd, plastic, um, just a strange way. Some have suggested that it might have been some type of demonic outbreak. Others suggest it was simply a, a seizure. But what I'm getting at is, is, frankly put, Hillary Rodham Clinton is a strange woman. And I'm telling you that I think that there is something that is, that is really, really abnormally strange about her. Now, let's be very candid here for a minute. Up next to Donald Trump, um, it's kind of hard to look strange. But nonetheless, she does. And something to me about her is more than just simply weirdness. It's more than just simply uh, being odd or awkward. And it's, quite frankly, not only her. I'm keying in on her. But, but many along the same lines and with the same pedigree of power seem to have that same strangeness about them. And Hillary, to me, embodies and encapsulates all of that plastic, rubbery weirdness that is hard to actually put your finger on in identification. Now, in the past, I have, sometimes jokingly, sometimes seriously, mentioned and alluded to the subject of Babylon working. 
If you're not familiar with that, you'll have to check out one of the podcasts or look it up online yourself. But the rumor was that uh, Parsons and Hubbard, two men that are, that are again, you'd have to do the research on your own. I'm not going to rehash that. But Parsons and Hubbard went out into the desert in 1947, 46, 47, somewhere along in there, and conducted some sort of sexual demonic experience in the experiment in the desert based on Aleister Crowley's sex magic incantations and experiments. Babylon working, in essence, was designed to bring in a female body inhabitable by a demon, a female deity, so to say, embodied in physical reality. Far-fetched? I know. But lately, after seeing what I'm seeing and watching what I'm watching, I have to ask myself, how far-fetched is it really? Now, admittedly, I'm going into some pretty deep waters today, but Frankly, the more I read my Bible, the more I see the theater of the absurd play out every night on the news and in our country and society, the more I feel that we are indeed living in an ever-constricting matrix, a matrix that has literally blinded the minds and even possibly the frequency perception of literal physical sight of the average person. If Babylon working takes us off the reservation, David Icke takes us off the continent. A strange man, to say the least, and absolutely no friend of Christianity. Yet, yet it is possible that beneath some of the major confusion that David Icke has taught over the years, and some of the theories that he has come up with, beneath it all, there may be a kernel of truth that he has seen, that we are unwilling to admit. Maybe a reality, a reality that is far more terrifying than we could ever possibly imagine. Now, David Icke is a lecturer. He was a BBC broadcaster, a football player. But he is mostly known for his theories about ancient alien astronauts and about reptilian shapeshifters and all the kind of crazy stuff that we would normally associate with people that are insane. Icke has some very interesting theories, and by no stretch of the imagination do I endorse David Icke and all that he believes. But I do find that when I look at the dots of what is going on, he may be getting close to something that is there. Ike, in the simplest form, espouses what's called the ancient astronaut narrative, but with a far more terrifying twist. Not the one you're going to catch on the History Channel, by any means. Ike claims that humanity has been genetically manipulated by a group he coins as the Babylonian Brotherhood a hybrid race of human extraterrestrial reptilians, and that what we know of as the Illuminati and the elite are actually these beings, the Brotherhood, a conglomeration of alter-dimensional hybrid beings, and that they are the descendants of reptilians from the constellation Draco, and that these pure Draco beings actually now dwell within the earth. It is these beings, these Alter-dimensional beings, more so than outer space, that were known to our ancestors as the deities, the gods, the Anunnaki, the fallen ones, the watchers, the progenitors of the Nephilim. Ike says himself in the following interview, quote, When you get back into the ancient world, you find this reoccurring theme of a union between a non-human race and humans, creating a hybrid race. Now, as to the complete accuracy of his details in all of his books, we can debate that and much should be debated. But as to his statement regarding the interaction of beings from the heavens and humans, well, that cannot be denied. That is something that we find 
clearly evidenced in Scripture. Now, let me take just a few moments, and I want to make a, a couple statements here that I think are important by way of setting the tone for what I'm trying to work us to. Statement number one, we have never been alone on this planet. From Satan in the Garden of Eden to the cherubs guarding the tree in the Garden of Eden, there have always been beings other than humans present in this reality continuum. Statement number two, that reptilian beings play some sort of role is hard to deny for a Bible believer. Satan first appeared as a serpent, and we see in his last appearance in the book of Revelation as a dragon. There are four major animal groups represented around the throne of God by the cherubs, but one group is obviously missing, and that is the amphibian reptilian group. And some believe, as I do, that that would be connected with the fifth cherub, the cherub that covereth, and that is, as Ezekiel mentions, Satan. We also know that unclean spirits in Revelation come out as frogs. And so to deny that there is some sort of connection between demonic powers and reptilian or the amphibian, well, you can't deny it. Statement number three, beyond the frequency of sight, beyond the calibration of the light waves in which we can interpret what is there and what is not there, there is a world of beings and reality. I challenge you, if you ever have the opportunity, if you ever have the chance, you ought to read Dr. Rick Strassman's book called The Spirit Molecule DMT. Through his investigation and through his research, and I've mentioned this before in other podcasts, he opened up a door, he opened up a, a rent in the veil, so to say, into another world that, that even himself, who is not a believer, found it hard to deal with. I quote from his book on page 202 and he says, They also left me feeling confused and concerned about where the spirit molecule was leading us. It was at this point that I began to wonder if I was getting in over my head with the research. The experiences were such that my models of the mind, the brain, and reality started seeming too limited to absorb and hold the nature of what volunteers like Rex and Sarah were undergoing. They also caused me to start wondering how adequately we were able to support, understand, and help our volunteers integrate these quote-unquote otherworldly experiences. Were we opening a, a Pandora's box? How were volunteers going to live their lives from that point on after having experienced such an inexplicable but certain reality? What could we tell them that would ease their confusion? A tremendous book, the DMT, DMT, the spirit molecule, they opened up a gateway. But we don't need a scientist to tell us what scripture has already told us. This was clearly seen in the case of Elisha and Gehazi. God opened up the eyes of this servant to see that the hills were filled with the army of God. This was not a Sunday school story, and this was not some sort of a magic parlor trick. It is not as if the army appeared out of nowhere. They were there all along, but he was not able to see them. Something happened literally to his eyes that allowed him to see a frequency level, or to see at a frequency level beyond which man is normally capable of. And what I'm saying is that just because you don't see a thing doesn't mean that it is not there. It simply means you don't see it with the functional biological mechanism that you have current use of. So, crazy Ike may be, but he might also be stumbling onto something that in reality is supported to some degree, although not completely, by the Bible. Ike claims that he started coming across people who told him they had seen people change into a non-human form known as, quote-unquote, shape-shifting. 
The basic form is like a scaly humanoid with reptilian rather than human eyes. Now, some claim that Ike's reptilian theory is not necessarily new, but that it is, in fact, adapted from Zachariah Stitchin's book called The Twelfth Planet, and that he also culled a vast amount of this material from Credo Mutwa, a Zulu healer. Now, Stitchin, in his book The Twelfth Planet and Others, he suggests that the Anunnaki came to Earth for its precious metals. Now, one of the things, gang, that you're going to find when you do this kind of research is that while there may be no one single truth, there are so many different little dots that you begin to get a picture, even though you might not have the whole thing, you begin to see an outline and a picture. As I said, Stitchin believed that the Anunnaki came to Earth for its precious metal. Ike maintains that they came for what's called monotomic gold. Now, it's very interesting to note that gold is mentioned in the Eden account and that gold has had such a high value placed on it as far back as we can trace in human antiquity. Why? Why is gold better than silver or gold better than brass or gold better than iron? Nobody hides a bunch of gold, a bunch of brass at Fort Knox, but it is gold. Gold has always been something special to humanity. Why? Why that particular metal? And that gold apparently has a quality about it that is in some way, shape, or form transdimensional, for it is one of the key building ingredients in the New Jerusalem. Now, Ike claims that there is a reason for their desire for gold in a specific form. One of it is, is that it increases the capacity of the nervous system to a 10,000-fold. And once they inhabit a physical body, it heightens their sensations after ingesting it. He also claims that the reptilians can process vast amounts of information, even more so than their ability allows them to do, in some way harnessing that material gold, and that it also is allowed for them to use up uh, to, for them to use during their trans-dimensional travel. But fundamentally, it assists them in their ability to shapeshift from reptilian to human. I know, I know what it sounds like. I'm just telling you what the man says, and all I'm saying is that well, though he might be out in some deep water. There might be a bottom somewhere to that water. Ike writes, quote, The brotherhood which controls the world today is the modern expression of the Babylonian brotherhood of reptile Aryan priests and royalty which came together soon after the flood. Somehow there was either another breakout or certain Nephilim and Anunnaki managed to survive the flood, producing a Babylonian brotherhood which are in fact the root of the tentacles of the global elite. Now, the Brotherhood are not necessarily pure reptilian. Many of them, he claims, are hybrid, or at least tainted with the DNA, the seed, quote-unquote, the seed of the serpent, as some would say. The reptilian bloodline encompassed all the major leaders of the world, but the real power rests in the actual Anunnaki, the reptilian beings behind the scenes, the ones that you never see. And one of the keys to Ike's theories is that there is a dimensional component not just a spatial intergalactic one. And I think that's something that even the UFO community is moving more and more towards. The more you read, the more that you find that those that think it's little green men from the planet Reticulon and those that think it's the government of the CIA, those are becoming far, far less prominent, I think, and that theory is far less sophisticated in its thought. The truth of the matter is, the only real way to explain the real UFO, fourth kind, third kind interaction is through a, a, a quite frankly, an interdimensional spiritual explanation. 
So Ike claims that there is a dimensional component, not just a spatial or galactic one, that the reptilians are from actual another dimension, the lower level of the, quote, fourth dimension, the astral dimension, the one nearest to the physical world. Okay. Once again, if we're not in deep enough water already, now we're moving into the conversation of dimensions. But I don't think you can instantly discount this because, again, once you look at the Bible, I'm not saying that everything that Ike says is right, but I'm saying that he's not maybe as far off as one might think. And he's not even a Christian. He thinks Christianity is part of the problem. He's wrong, of course, but he might be stumbling onto something. You say fourth dimension. Well, if you read Ephesians chapter number six, there are four dimensions listed there. If you read Ephesians chapter number three, verse 18, there are four dimensions listed there. If you look at the tabernacle itself, there are four dimensions in the schematics of the tabernacle. The outer court, the holy place, the holy of holies, and the actual ark itself, which is represented by a four-dimensional schematic. In Eden, a type of heaven, there were four rivers, and there happened to be four beings inside of it. God, Adam, Eve, and Satan. So before we get deeper into this dimensional issue... I want you to understand that, again, what I'm saying is, is that while he might be off in a lot, he might be right in one. Now, how do these lizard men run the world? Well, he says it's through problem-reaction-solution. Ike writes that the Brotherhood uses human anxiety as energy. Anxiety, blood, sexual energy, violence. These are the powers upon which they feast. Thus, he says, quote, we have encouragement of wars. He wrote in 1999, human genocide, the mass slaughter of animals, sexual perversion, which create highly charged negative energy and black magic rituals and sacrifice, which takes place on a scale that would stagger those who have not studied the subject. Ike calls, quote, the order out of chaos or problem reaction solution. One of their methods, he states, is to create fake opposites, oppo-sameness, he calls it, such as the Axis and allied powers of World War, I, World War II. The movement of societies towards totalitarianism is what they are looking for because these conflicts, he calls, offers them an ability to use and to harness the troubles to accomplish their ends. In essence, they create the environment they want through problems so that they can create the outcome they want by the supply of the already prescribed need. Now, if you don't believe him, all you have to do is check out the web. You know you can always get the truth on the web, right? I mean, there are hundreds of videos showing clips and glimpses of these reptilian shapeshifters blinking, in which you're able to see, if only for just a fleeting moment, their lizardness. Weird things about their eyes. How do you explain that stuff? Fake, you say. Nonsense, you say. Maybe. Probably. Let's hope so. But is it? Is it so far-fetched to think? Is it far-fetched to think that everyone that we see may not be exactly what they appear to be? Is it odd to think that way? There's an article by Evon Lack, August 2016. Strange but true, true, the article says. One person born with two sets of DNA, a chimera. 
If you think, the article says, if you think back to your formaldehyde-scented high school biology class, you may remember learning two things about DNA. First, that it's the code for all our genes. And second, that each individual has one and only one set. Otherwise, a person could have two different blood types, which is impossible, right? Wrong. As it turns out, high school bio didn't have all the answers. Some people's body do indeed contain two sets DNA. A person who has more than one set of DNA is a chimera, and the condition is called chimerism. The word comes from the, follow this, mythical chimera, a creature in Greek mythology that's part lioness, part goat, and part, wait for it, snake. The most extreme type of chimerism occurs when a twin dies early on in utero, explains Melissa Parisi, a pediatric researcher with the U.S. National Institute of Health. In a move that's both bizarre and logical, the surviving twin acquires some of the dead embryo's chromosomes, ending up with two distinct and separate sets of genes. It seems the stuff of science fiction, or at least high drama. And in fact, the phenomenon has been featured in television shows like All My Children, Law and Order, House, and Grey's Anatomy. In real life, the most well-known case is probably that of Lydia Fairchild, who nearly lost custody of her children when DNA testing, quote, proved she wasn't related to them. Fortunately, doctors eventually determined that she had a second set of DNA that matched. But you don't have to have had a vanishing twin to be a chimera. Regular fraternal twins can also have the condition. Now follow that. You can have two distinct DNA strands. Two different fathers is how you and I would say it. So, when the Bible says in 1 John that Cain was of that wicked one, we have to ask ourselves exactly what happened there in the Garden of Eden. Who was Cain's father? And why the emphasis on the seed and the serpent seed in Genesis 3.15? Of course, we're speculating. But it serves to remind us that the strangeness of a thing does not make a thing untrue. How about the Antichrist, inhabited by Satan, a cherub that can appear as an angel of light, and yet the Antichrist is a man? Or how about John 6 and Judas? Judas was not said to have a devil. No, he is called a devil. Was he human? Yes. Was he a devil? Apparently, yes. How do you explain that? I don't know. And here may be the, quick, the, the, the greatest kicker of all. If an angel can look so human, we are warned about it in Hebrews 13. Could a demonic dark angel equally look as human? Here's another question. Could you have a physical body without a human soul inhabited by some type of dark angelic being or powers of darkness? Now, let me change gears for just a quick second. Ever heard of a Freudian slip? Of course we have. Right, you say something wrong or stupid and everybody goes, oh yeah, Freudian slip. What is a Freudian slip? It's also called a, a parapraxis. It's an error in speech or memory, a physical action that is interpreted as occurring due to the interference of an unconscious, subdued wish or internal train of thought. An unconscious, subdued internal train of thought. The concept is part of classical psychoanalysis. Classical examples of a Freudian slip involve slips of the tongue and of the pen. Hmm. 
You say, now, why, why would you bring that up? How, how does a Freudian slip connect with the possibility of, of somebody being a reptilian shapeshifter? Well, in a recent interview with Charlie Rose, former President Bill Clinton was coming to the defense of his wife who passed out, stating that it was simply due to dehydration and too much work. Rose was skeptical in the article, pointing out that the video appeared to be something more than serious dehydration. Well, Clinton, oh, well, if it is, it's a mystery to me and all of her doctors, Clinton said. Rarely, but on more than one occasion over the last many, many years, the same sort of thing has happened to her when she just got severely dehydrated. Clinton suggested that her fatigue was the result of her busy career and time spent on the trail, but suggested that his wife was merely dizzy. Quote, she worked like a demon at... What? Yeah. Quote, she worked like a demon as you know, as Secretary of State and as Senator, and in the years since, he said, she had two and a half hard days before the day she got dizzy. He insisted that Hillary was doing much better after resting at home and would be back on the campaign trail sooner than expected. A demon from the dictionary, an evil spirit, or devil. Or it could be, secondly, a person, habit, obsession, a person who has a habit of obsession, thought of as evil, cruel, or persistently tormenting. Thirdly, it could be a daemon, an attending minister or spirit. Fourth, it could be a person who is extremely skillful, energetic, or devoted to a given activity. Another one is a computing term. That's right. Demon used as a computing term. Computing, a part of a computer program such as a help facility that can run in the background behind the current task or application and which will only begin to work when certain conditions are met or when it is specifically invoked. Ah, there we have it. Certain conditions, no doubt, that were met and invoked in the desert years ago by Parsons and Hubbard. And that's why she works like a demon. When's the last time you heard somebody say that? When's the last time your boss has walked in and said, Hey, boy, you've done a good job. You've been working like a demon. When's the last time you said that to your kid? My daughter just took a test today and she had studied real hard and got a grade on it and came into my office and I said, Hey, great job, Anna. Boy, you've just been working like a demon. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Am I saying, am I saying that Hillary Clinton is a reptilian shapeshifter, i.e. a demonic being from another dimension inhabiting a female body conjured up by two to four men in the desert in 1947 to be a part of the end time process of the global capitulation of this world to Satan? Is that what I'm saying? Have a good weekend.